for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. You know, every so often I like to not just give you a devotional, but also try and help you in your devotional life, in your quiet time. And I hope that, you know, when you watch these videos, uh, you don't just say Amen, you know, reply Amen or comment Amen, praise the Lord and that's it. I hope this is only the beginning of your quiet time, the beginning of your devotional. And to help you do that, today I'm going to follow a format that I've talked about a few times and I use for myself often and when I teach or when I lead as well. And that is to ask the passage three simple questions. And they're very simple. You can write it down. Uh, you may have heard me talk about it before. The first question is, what is God like? in this passage. What do I learn about God, His character, His attributes? What is God like? Second question is, what is God doing in this passage? He's active in every line of the scripture in the entire Bible. So in this passage, what is God doing? Now, this may be easier and harder depending on the passage. In today's passage, it's quite easy because it's literally one of the main characters. But sometimes you have to kind of read between the lines a little bit, right? What is God like? What is God doing? And the third, what does God want me to do as a result of today's passage. And the, this third obviously is the application and it flows from your answer, the way you respond to the first and the second question. So let us go into today's passage to see what is God like, what is God doing, and finally, what is he telling us, telling me, telling you to do. Let's read the passage and then we'll continue. Exodus chapter 12, verses 37 through 51. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, These are the regulations for the Passover meal. No foreigner may eat it. Any slave you have bought may eat it after you have circumcised him. But a temporary resident or a hired worker may not eat it. It must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate it. A foreigner residing among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat it. The same law applies both to the native-born and to the foreigner residing among you. 
all the Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. Now, as we start or continue, I'll make a short, small confession. One of the reasons that I kind of applying the three questions to today's passage is that it's kind of a dry passage. It's straightforward. They're like leaving. They give us numbers of how many people there are. And then God just tell, tells them, don't do this, do this, don't be like this. You know, some limitations in the second, in the second hour of the passage and so forth, right? But this also comes to show how handy these three questions are that I learned from one of our missionaries, actually, one of our own TIM Onuri missionaries. So so let's go, right? The first question, what is God like? What do we learn about God in today's passage? And the first thing that I notice is the faithfulness and the veracity of God, how faithful and true God is. That even after 430 years of the Israelites living uh, in Egypt and toiling, and then eventually they become slaves. And so they've been slaves for hundreds of years, that after all this time, and then you know, through 10 plagues, God shows not just his power, but his faithfulness and his veracity, that he is true, that his word is true. He cannot go back on his word and he will do what he promised. So as he promised, he said he will and he does it. And we see the result, the conclusion of that as the, the Israelites are now leaving you know, in their droves, 600,000 just men, right? That's counting only the men. And you know, the roundabout number that people usually throw around is a million. Now, in any crowd that you look at today, you know, if you only look at the adult male, they only, I think, account for 25 to 30%. So, you know, it's way more than 1 million. It's closer to 2, maybe even more, you know, millions of people now leaving. And this is the evidence of the faithfulness and the veracity of God. And another thing that we see is the, ho the holiness of God. And this is the theological word that I conclude at, if you look at verses 43 to 51. Now, if you read this passage, and I'm sure, I hope you have before we, you started listening, you might use different words to describe God here, right? Like colloquially, you might say strict, exclusive, unfair, maybe even mean, because God is setting boundaries on, you know, who can take part in the Passover feast. And anyone who is not circumcised, they're not allowed to, just period. And if they really want to join you, be one with you, then they have to be circumcised as well. And to be circumcised as an adult, uh, I hear is a very painful thing, right? Now, remember, though, that God is a righteous God who did not have to, but he gives and he sacrifices to save creation back to himself. Now, save from what? From sin, obviously, of course, right? Now, sin which cannot exist in the presence of God. So the righteousness and the justice of God is really shown as the holiness of God, as in he is set apart from creation because he is holy and he, uh, he is righteous and he is just. So this means that we cannot just, you know, simply be forgiven, right? You know, a lot of people say, non-Christians say, why can't God just forgive us and save us, right? All of us. Why do we have to do all these things and believe in this and that and not do this and do this and so forth? Because God is righteous, because God is just. He cannot, excuse the pun, just forgive people because he is righteous and just. 
We must be holy as he is holy. That is why there is that command. The circumcision and the regulations are part of the processes to set us apart, to set us holy, so that we may approach God and begin to know him more. It is just the beginning of knowing God more. So what may seem exclusive and strict and even unfair, if you think about it, is actually grace. Grace that is given to us as opportunity to approach God. Amen. So uh, the second thing, uh, what is God doing? So we've talked about what God is like. What is God doing? It's kind of simple. I'm going to work my way backwards from bottom to up. God is saving and rescuing, as I mentioned already. In verse 51, it says, And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions, meaning their tribes. Now remember, this is God's ultimate goal, salvation, rescue. And as I mentioned before, as he said, he does. He accomplishes it because he's faithful and true. Next, moving up, he's teaching. And this is the section about the whole circumcision thing. The, uh, you know, a people who did not know and have God, he's teaching them how to approach God. This is what it takes for you to know me, for you to come closer and closer to me, to love me and to be loved by me, to begin to be holy so that we can be with a holy God. And then finally, as we reach the beginning and the top of the, of the passage, he is keeping vigil. Now, it says here that God is watching over the Israelites. And even through that dark and horrendous night where all over Egypt, people were screaming and yelling and crying because in every household, the Bible says, there was someone dead, someone dying, one of their firstborn. So even with his promises and guarantees, you know, God who is faithful and true, God kept vigil over his people, the people that he chose for himself. Isn't that beautiful? And you see this picture and this mention in elsewhere in the Bible as well. Now, the word and idea of love does not come out much in the beginning of Exodus, nor even throughout the book of Exodus, but it is there everywhere in places like this. Isn't it beautiful that God is keeping vigil, watching over his people through this dark and scary night, right? God's tenderness for his people who barely know him is evident throughout the book and the experience and the journey of Exodus as well. So we've covered the first two questions. What is God like? What, does God, what is God doing in this passage? And that we've gone over. And you know, yours could be a little different, by the way. Uh, this is how God is speaking to you. I mean, this is the truth and the word. Uh, so there, are, there could be bad answers. So we do have to be a little careful. Uh, but God could be speaking to you and guiding you to look at things and notice things a little differently or focusing on different places and parts as well. But ultimately, the most important thing is, what is God telling you, telling me, telling us to do from today's passage? So from my responses of the first two questions of, you know, God saving and rescuing, teaching and keeping vigil over us is that that confirmation and assurance of me having been saved because God has been watching over me and he has been teaching me. So then what does God want me to do? I think he wants me to do the same, to go on and do. The people that, you know, we read about those uncircumcised people, you know, in today's passage who, you know, are kind of kept at arm's length in today's passage. Now the door is completely wide open and, you know, we don't have to 
do the whole circumcision thing or not as well. And it is about Jesus Christ. It has become so much easier, so much more beautiful and wonderful to do, to share as well. So I think that is what God is reminding me to keep teaching, preaching, inviting people into the family of God through Jesus Christ. Amen. What is God telling you to do today? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that leads us and guides us. We thank you for the wonderful reminder of your heart and your love for us, that how you keep watch over us through the darkest and the most horrendous of nights, Lord. When there is much screaming all around us, we can take assurance and we can be bold under the shelter, under the shadow of your wings, Lord. So we thank you and I pray uh, that you would give me the strength, Lord, uh, to share this love, share this intimacy and this good news with those around me, O Lord, uh, to help them see and come and join me in this family, uh, the family of God uh, that I have uh, the privilege of being part of already and right now. So I pray that you would use me, that you would use everyone watching today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.